Let us worship God. reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds this morning, that your fresh word might fall upon us this day. 
Amen. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
good morning. I want to let you know that um, this is my second time being here, and each time I felt extremely, extremely welcome. So thank you so much for your hospitality. Thank you so much for your encouragement and your willingness to go with me on a journey or two. So this passage, if you grew up in church, may be very familiar. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. No doubt you've heard many different versions or sermons about this topic. And certainly depending on which flavor of Christianity where you heard those sermons, they could be very, very different. So today, when we think about the thief, let me pose the question. Who or what is the thief? Now we have clearly this idea that the thief is bad, right? Steal, kill, destroy. That's pretty easy. Bad. Got it. But also what we have set up is we have this juxtaposition between the thief that is bad and then this, this home, this safety, this wholeness. And the thief is in opposition to that. The thief comes to take something to make it less whole, less safe. It's something that does not belong to the thief, but it belongs to someone else, but the thief is claiming it. So with that in mind, I, what I want to do today is I want to talk about the thief as it relates to some of our interactions that I see. You live in America. You know what it's like. Things are very contentious. People are getting in arguments on airplanes. They're doing it in traffic at the workplace, and there's these escalations that happen. Some of them seemingly don't make a whole lot of sense if we're coming from the place of reasonableness. And yet, if we're coming from the place of just humanity, unfortunately, it makes a lot of sense. Still unpleasant, but understandable. Now, what I believe is that in many of our interactions, there are some things that are present and yet not named. One of those things I really want to talk about today is trauma. I believe that many times in our arguments, in our disputes, trauma is alive and well and very present, but it does not enter into the conversation. We don't talk about it. So I can give you a couple examples. Uh, I, I think I shared with you the last time I was here, I had a conversation with someone about, you know, what happens when you're walking on the sidewalk and someone's walking your direction on the sidewalk and then you notice that person avoiding you, maybe, maybe so far as to step into the street or even walk to the other side of the street to continue on their path. Why would a person do that? Well, I, this person that you see here who seems to be very friendly, right, seems to be very jovial, likes interacting with people, I'm not that way all the time. In fact, 
2019, no, 2018, that fall, I had a bout of depression that was so intense for me that I avoided people at all costs. I would get up in the morning, I would, if I could, drag myself to class, I would do that, but I would, I would do it late so that there was less chance of interacting with people because once you become known for talking to people, people want to talk to you. <laughs> but I couldn't. And I'd slink out of class as soon as it was done. I'd go back, and some days it was just all I could do to get out of my apartment. And so, yes, I confess that I <laughs> was the person who walked across the street sometimes just to avoid a conversation. I had another experience when I was, uh, back when I was living in Orlando. Some of my adult friends, we would get together and we would play these really uh, nerdy board games. You know, the ones that last like hours and hours, the ones that are frustrating, the ones that normal people don't want to play. <laughs> well, we would do that. Well, one, one week, you know, we had plans to go and get together on Saturday, but the normal host could not. So now we've got to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? Where are we going to meet? Someone volunteered. My house is open. It's available. I would love to have you. Great. Sounds good. However, I just want to give you a heads up. I, just, I don't know if you'd be comfortable with this, but we do have guns around the house. Well, I mean, this is Florida, so it's not really surprising. However, however, someone keyed in and, and asked the question, yeah, I, I'm, I'm cool with that, but, but you said guns, plural? Say so yes. It's like there's one by the door, front door, there's one in the bathroom, there's another one in the bedroom. Started to name these different places where they're located. Okay, still cool. But why, though? Why so many? Now, speculation, of course, you know, I was like, well, maybe they're gun enthusiasts, you know? But he said, no, they, they all belong to my wife. He said, unfortunately, there was a home invasion. And she was forced to do things that she didn't want to do. I did not expect that response. And I thought about, you know, some of the folks who are very, very anti-gun, and I don't really care where you stand on this. But I imagine that that scenario, in the conversations that I've been part of, that scenario never really came up. The possibility of just, what if this is part of the way someone's trying to cope as a result of trauma? I thought about that. Peter went and I took this free diving class and I learned some things and I am going to offer a metaphor today I'd like to share with you. When free diving, of course, this is the idea that you are not using an oxygen tank or anything. You want to go as far underwater as you can. 
uh, maybe to just go exploring or maybe to uh, pick up shellfish, whatever the case may be, we really focused on safety. How can we be safe? So we had a buddy system and we talked about going in groups and uh, we talked about proper hydration and then of course we talked about, well, what if bad things happen? What if someone gets hurt? What if somebody drowned, et cetera? So one of the things I thought was absolutely fascinating, I did not know this, but apparently our bodies are really, really smart. So for example, you, you, you see on TV somebody uh, drowns in, a, in, in, in film, and what do they do? Well, they, they, they take them out of the water, they bring them to the shore, and you know, immediately they start you know, doing some form of CPR. Maybe they start with the compressions. Maybe they, they uh, you know, start by breathing into their mouth. Well, if you're free diving, you're likely in open water. So dragging someone to the surface, you know, uh, the shore, just may not be an option. So then what do we do? Well, we are taught that, first of all, don't panic. Do not panic. What you want to do is you want to make sure, number one, that everything is safe, right? If there's any danger, well, okay, see if you can move away from danger. And then after that, you take your friend and you, you, you bring your friend to the surface, right? You make sure that their face is facing up towards the sky so that their airway is clear. Great. And then what? Well, this is where it gets very interesting. But I'll have to come back to that later. <laughs> I know I'm the worst. Totally did that on purpose. All right, so I guess, I, guess I, I guess I'll add this part. I'll say this. People don't often, people don't often actually drown. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, once again, our bodies are really, really smart. So imagine that you're underwater. You are completely submersed. You've probably done this before. Maybe you were swimming as a kid and you... You're underwater, maybe a little bit longer than maybe you should. You, get, you look up, you see the surface, you start making your way to the surface, and you're like, oh man, I, I really need to breathe. I really, really need to breathe. And there's that feeling that you get where even though you're not quite there yet, you just want to open your mouth. Well, that's your body being smart. Your oxygen is starting to become depleted. The CO2 levels are starting to increase. So your body really wants to exhale more than it wants to inhale. But then even if, even if, even if you do open your mouth, your body's gonna say, you know what? Just a small amount of water into the lungs, and that's bad news. So what your body's gonna do, this mammalian reflex is gonna kick in. It's gonna, it's gonna shut off one part and open the other part. So your airway is going to close and your esophagus is going to open. So what you do is you don't inhale, no, you ingest water. This is to save you. A Little bit of water could kill you, but 
your body slows down and shuts down, that could buy you time. So your body would actually rather you lose consciousness than to inhale water. Well, maybe you're thinking, well, that doesn't necessarily sound so good either. Sure, absolutely. However, if a person is unconscious, they're still alive. Now, I see parallels when it comes to trauma. Trauma is so, it's so, it's so dynamic, and it can be so different for each in every person. The cause can be different, the symptoms can be different, the ways that we act out, our trauma responses can be different. It's hard to pinpoint what exactly will cause trauma to one person, may not cause it to the next person. It may simply roll off their back. So it can be hard to pinpoint, hard to nail down. However, I think we all can agree that trauma like the thief, comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Why? Because it robs us of safety. It robs us of, of a sense of wholeness. We may feel that someone has come in and violated our home, our space. And quite frankly, with our trauma responses, sometimes we we just don't treat people very well. Now, some of this is biological, right? We have, we've heard of the fight or flight reflex, right? If you're in danger, all this adrenaline starts pumping, and you may want to run, or maybe you freeze, you get paralyzed. That's because when things pop off, when things happen, the way our brains work is, bam, the hypothalamus gets the information, and then we start to get all these feelings in our body, and we respond. But then later, after that, it hits the prefrontal cortex, where now we're making decisions. Now we're thinking. Now, now we, can, we can weigh, and we can judge, and we can decide what a best course of action is. But we may have already acted. I may have already said something that as soon as it's left my lips, I regret, in part because who I said it to. Now again, some of this is biology. It makes sense that if you're in a life or death situation, getting out of there is probably more important than contemplating necessarily the best course of action. Makes sense. And yet, with our interpersonal relationships, this can cause problems. But I want to offer you hope. And the hope, I think, comes in this. So, we've, we've cleared the wreckage. We've moved everyone away from danger. I've lifted my friend to the surface. Their face is out of the water, the airway is clear, but they're not conscious. So I am told to gently say their name. Mike, I got you. Susan, 
I'm right here. And then it gets weird. Then we are supposed to blow on their face. Why? Because once again, our brains are very, very smart. If the person is unconscious, if the body has recognized that it is not safe yet to open my mouth and to breathe, but wait, now someone has brought me to the surface. The face can, can feel on the skin. It can feel wind because my friend is blowing onto my face, and that keys my body to say, hey, now it's safe. And so sometimes that body that rendered me unconscious, why? So that it could preserve the little bit of oxygen that I still have in my body and to just buy time. Just waiting for a time when it will be safe. Sometimes the person will regain consciousness. The body knows that it is safe, and that now, even though, yes, because of trauma, I have these responses, because of trauma, I sometimes act in ways that aren't nice. Because of trauma, it's very hard and difficult for me to feel whole and complete. But here's the thing. I believe that there is a loving God that says, I know, and I understand. I know, and I've seen what has happened to you. But I say this. I have come that you might have life, and you might have life to the fullest. And so even though right now you may be in a season where you do not feel safe, it need not always be that way. I will be there with you in the wreckage. I will bring you up from the depths to the surface. I will breathe on you, and I will say your name, and I will bid you to awaken, rise, live, live life to the fullest. I believe we serve a gracious and loving and patient God that is not blind to our pain, is not blind to our suffering. And even though there are times when we beg and say, just fix it. Do whatever you need to do. Just drag me to the surface and start beating on my chest and make it all go away. I think in God's wisdom, God knows how we work, how we operate, and what we need. And sometimes we need time. Amen.
Come all you weary with your heavy loads. Lay down your burdens, find rest for your souls. Cause my yoke is easy, my burden is kind. I'll take yours upon me, and you can take mine. Come all you weary, you move through the earth and spurned at fine restaurants, kicked out of church. I got a couple of loads, sit down at my feet. Let me your ears and we'll break bread and eat. Come all you weary, come gather around near me. Find a rest for your souls. Come, all oh, you weary, cripple, you're lame. Help you along, you can lay down your canes. Got a long way to go, but we'll travel as friends. Life's growing bright further up, further in. Come all you weary. Come gather around near me. Find a rest for your souls. Come all you weary. Come gather around near me. Find rest for your souls. 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 As we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God. Speaks your name, speaks your name, beloved. 
As you go forth and feel the sun on your face, trust in the wisdom of the body and rise and live. And please receive this benediction. This is both for those who are weary because of their trauma and those who are weary from trying to rescue people. Go forth knowing these three things. At one, you are not broken beyond repair. Two, you are not dead. And three, you have more help than you realize. Go. Thank you.